Hello everyone and welcome to the 45th episode of Korea Podcast. Today I'm joined with Serena Malion, she's a concept, oh sorry, I was about to say concept artist. <laughs> It's because we have so many concept artists recently, my, my brain just freezed out. She's an illustrator from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, before we jump into the questions, I wanted to mention one quick thing is that, I mean, as I mean, a lot of you that are listening or watching already know that 14th of March was the anniversary of the podcast. And I started giveaway on the same day and it's been, yeah, you, you guys have three more days until you, so we can register and continue in the give, Photoshop course giveaway. So I just wanted to remind everyone about that. And well, that's it. Let's get to the questions. Um, give us a little introduction on how we got into visual arts and design. Um, well, I always grew up in a artistic household. My grandfather was a painter. He, he worked for Time Magazine as an illustrator. Um, he did uh, fine art as well, where he recorded his life in New York and in New Brunswick. And uh, my grandmother, his wife, was also an artist. And so we grew up around a lot of his artwork. Um, this is my grandmother's painting. Um, and so I always felt like art was kind of a viable career and I was always encouraged to pursue any kind of creative pursuits that I wanted to. Um, and then when I went to art school in 2008, um, I found that I didn't want to be a fine art painter. I wanted specifically to do illustration. I really liked Um, reading what someone else wrote and then taking what I saw inside and putting it onto paper. So that's when I really decided that this was the career that I wanted to have. Awesome. And um, by the way, just out of curiosity, um, was your grandmother a lifelong artist by any chance or did she start earlier, like later in life? Um, they both actually went to art school together as, um, as teenagers and she worked, her name is Adele Safran and my grandfather's name is Bernard Safran. Um, she worked as his agent, um, after World War II and helped get his art around New York city and would go for meetings and stuff. And he was, you know, the, the hands that made it all happen. Um, But she was more of a hobbyist. And so when she retired, um, most of her paintings were of family, friends, and their pets and children. And yeah, they're really, they're really lovely. Yeah, that's such a cute story. I like it. <laughs> and meeting each other as teenagers in art school. And I mean, it's kind of interesting because it, like right now, the day and age we live in, it's uh, art is like fortunately I've grown and has just become a huge part of the society and like there's so many more opportunities in entertainment and a lot of other industries basically but uh, <laughs> like at that time you know pursuing art was in a, in a sense a bit risky you know yeah at that time so it's pretty cool story and um were you originally studying art and design or you were pursuing another career path when it came to um well when you were i don't know when you were in college or you, when you finished college i assume like tell us about that um well yeah i was i always wanted to go into the arts in some way um and then i took 
I took a few fine art courses in my first year of art college. I went to um, the Alberta College of Art and Design, which is here in Calgary. And um, they offer both an illustration and design stream and a fine art stream. So I wasn't sure which one I'd go into. And I didn't really know much about design and illustration at the time. Um, but I did take one course in preparation just to see kind of what it was about. And I found that that was really the artistic path I was looking for. I liked the more, it was more accepting of um, things like realism and narrative and um, pursuing more of the technical aspects of artwork as opposed to just expression. And so it just kind of appealed to me. And over the next few years, I, I took all the prerequisite design courses that I wasn't very good at. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trained in um, character design and illustration and um, yeah, concept art. But um, yeah, it was a really great experience and I really encourage people to explore what artistic avenue fits them best because it's not always the one that you think it is. Yeah, pretty good point. And on a side note, I wasn't completely wrong in the introduction when I was about to say concept artist. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, no, I've actually worked as a concept artist professionally as well, so that was fine. <laughs> all right, good to know. And um, all right, you already give us a little bit of background about yourself and what you're doing, but now we want to get a bit more in depth and specific. Now, the next question is, how, uh, what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now? And tell us about your experience from the start of it until now. Um, so my favorite type of illustration to work on is the kind of narrative stuff that you see in the publishing world. I really like doing book covers, book interiors, something that tells a story, grabs someone's attention and says, come read this. I always loved reading growing up and to be able to envision what an author, what, what their world could look like is really special to me. So I love doing things like maps and helping shape how it forms um, the aesthetic in the reader's mind. So yeah, anything related to storytelling is my passion. Um, right now I'm working on some stories that I'm trying to write. <laughs> Not a writer, but um, I'm, I'm world building for this kind of overarching story about humans and these elemental titans. And it's just really fun to have a story to anchor everything and then I can illustrate various scenes or do some world building and it still feels narrative and it still feels um, in service of the greater project but um, yeah so basically any kind of storytelling I also enjoy editorial illustration and concept art but um, it's it's not as rich for me yeah all right, good to know. And um, how does your design process usually go anytime you more want to start working on a project or an idea you might have? Um, well, I've got, I've got notebooks and notebooks of ideas, um, actually. 
this is the one I've been working on. Um, for oh, I love sketchbook tours. Stories. Sorry? I love sketchbook tours. Yeah, like I have these thumbnail images oh, and um, I've got <laughs> a page in here where I just have like 20 different ideas. <laughs> just get them all out so I remember them for later. And um, this is where, you know, I'll write a synopsis of my story and then I can record that for later and just do little images that I that come to me that I don't want to forget. And so when I'm starting to design a piece, I work very small. I just work, you know, this big. And I try to get kind of a cool composition going. I don't worry about rendering everything. I don't worry about, um, you know, how it's going to work tonally. I just get the composition looking kind of cool. And then from there, I can start developing that sketch, you know, larger and then larger. <laughs> you know, the final piece could be this big. And um, over time, you know, you start adding tone and color and you start giving yourself the confidence that, yes, I can accomplish this final painting, even though it's very ambitious, perhaps, because um, you've got all of this prep work that you've just done. So I really like putting time into the first few steps of my process where I'm figuring out the figures and the the overall flow of the piece so I don't have to work it out on the fly in the final because that's a lot of pressure and that's where things go wrong <laughs> yeah and actually that's really smart idea that you said um, I'm sure a lot of other artists like basically came to this come to this like solution and conclusion of for their process but when you said like you first try to figure out the composition in your sketchbook you know once you nail the composition then you start like scaling it up like that's actually pretty like people mostly when they like a lot of pe people who might listen to this podcast like they're i think i'm just a wild guess that they're more into digital stuff because in digital you just Oh, you, you press shift and you just left click and you just scale it all you want but um, in the real world like it's going to be more challenging and yeah that's actually a pretty good idea and um, just one thing I want to other thing I want to mention to people who are listening that sketchbooks are super super important when it comes to like improving and staying fit like you know staying fit not in physically but I mean in your art and craft um, because it's always super handy for example if if you want to get good at hands or you're going to do a piece that there's like you need to practice everything in it you know that's what I'm saying like it's a super it's like a gym for your art skills drawing skills and I was wondering if if any I don't know company wants to sponsor their sketchbook in the show I mean they're open to you know DM or something you know I, I just a just a wild thing I need to throw out sorry that was a good opportunity a segue for that yeah I <laughs> think the, it's a great idea <laughs> yeah or one day we're going to sponsor Raid Shadow Legends they're gonna sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna get there one day one day um and uh, all right, next section. I was section, just gonna I... say as well, um, mm -hmm. as far as sketching goes, just find a way of sketching that works for your art. Because when I do try and sketch digitally, it's actually a very different process, and I don't like how those sketches look. Even if I sometimes end up painting digitally, um, 
the sketching process for me just feels more organic in my in my little sketchbook here. So I'm just a little bit looser, more flowy lines where, like you say, in a digital space, I can, you know, take one sketch and refine it, refine it, refine it, but I'm not exploring other possibilities. I'm not exploring the shapes. I'm just immediately ju- uh, jumping into detail. Um, so I, I just appreciate this forces me to um, loosen up and keep the life in a piece. So just find the method that's right for you. Yeah. Good to know. And um, actually, right now, I wanted to ask you about some of the stuff, like in general artworks you've been doing on your page. And I mean, I'm going to be honest, like a lot of the words you were using in the captions, I was kind of uh, like not familiar with it, but I realized they're just from Lord of the Rings. They're not that, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, on that point, you apparently, like, it's so obvious that Lord of the Rings is like a huge inspiration for you, like the whole. Um, I think the whole universe had a name, like, a, but I forgot the name of the whole J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, um, where Middle the hobbits? Not no, not Middle Earth. Like, it started with S, but I don't remember the name. But basically, those works have uh, obviously like had a lot of uh, uh, impact on you as an inspiration. Like uh, one of the works that you've recently been working on, and I think it's your last post as well. Uh, Lothlorien, if I'm yep. if I'm right, uh, could you explain about that a bit? Um, about my interest in Tolkien's works, both that and also the process of painting Lothlorien piece. Yeah. Um, so, the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and the movies, obviously, have had an effect on me. Um, I just have a very emotional connection to the films. I. Yeah, I used to read the books with um, my mom and sister. My sister and I watch the films all the time. So I have this deep love and appreciation for um, the kind of fantasy world he's created. So I've been thinking about these worlds for a long time. And they're such well-established designs. You know, the concept artists for the films, um, John Howe and Alan Lee, did such an amazing job crafting that world I was so nervous to bring my own spin on it. Um, But I had a few people commission me to do various Lord of the Rings paintings. So I have one of Smog the Dragon in um, The Hobbit. I have one of Treebeard. I have one of uh, Rivendell. And now I have one of Lothlorien. And they're all kind of my vision of Tolkien's world. And it's been really fun to dive into. And when I was designing the Lothlorien piece, um, I knew I wanted to try and grab some people kind of emotionally, because for me, there's such a sense of awe in the films and in, uh, in the book as well. That's this amazing safe haven in the middle of all this danger. And so um, it was it was really difficult to work out both the composition and the color scheme, but I'm really happy with where it went. And um, yeah, I was actually able to record a lot of my process for this piece and put it on my Instagram. And they have a new feature where you can just upload like 30 seconds of a clip. So um, you can find little snippets of my process on there, or um, I have a couple two hour live streams 
and you can see me go through my process of um, having the blank watercolor paper. Well, there there was the drawing on it at the time. Transferring my drawing to the watercolor paper takes so long, it's not entertaining enough to film. Um, <laughs> but I have all the steps from watercolor. I, I do just um, kind of a broad watercolor wash just to inform my color scheme. And that gives me a really good base to jump off of with my acrylic wash, which is an opaque paint. And I can work it in conjunction with the watercolor. And it creates um, a very kind of clean look to the final. And so I, over the course of these videos, you can see me kind of build up layers of um, structure and detail and slowly bring the piece to life. And then, you know, there's still a lot of balancing that you have to do with um, there's too much importance on this little element that I, it's just distracting. So, you know, you push that back, you bring this forward. Um, there's a lot of push and pull in doing a piece that, that that's quite that um, complex. But um, those are the works that I love jumping into the most because it's a challenge but it's so rewarding and I just love getting caught up in the little details. So yeah, if you guys want to check that out, um, I have the Lothorian piece on my Instagram and I have several other Lord of the Rings pieces that you can take a look at as well. Um, by the way, is Lothlorien piece available on your Society6 as a print? Or if that's not, I think you definitely should put it as a print. Because that's that's really good work. Thanks. Um, it will be. It's not yet. Mm. Can I make a suggestion? Yep. This print would look really good on a travel blanket. Oh yeah. Like those, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm being serious. Well noted. <laughs> or even a carpet. Yeah, like, um, uh, I have the original. Yeah next to me i actually i can just show it on screen oh awesome um, so this is the original ah. work i'm sorry if you're just listening to this um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so I, I have to send the original to the person who commissioned it and then i'll be putting the print online Awesome, good to know. So, I mean, you heard it, folks. There's a Society6 shop as well, and also there's a website which you can see the later the other platforms that, you know, might be there. You know, just, you know, if you want to buy any originals or shop prints, like, that, is that work that you just showed on sale, the original? No, that's claimed, but I do have other originals that are available on uh, through my main website. So, yeah, you heard it, folks. You can... Just go there and see, get cool stuff. I mean, it's, it's basically free. Just go. It's not free, but you get the point. I mean, in terms of value, it is. Um, now, sorry, I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> By the way, um, yeah, and, exactly. And we are, like you also mentioned, like two hour streams. And speaking of streams, by the way, guys, you can just. And gals, sorry, you have to be inclusive all the time. And uh, there's also a twitch.tv at slash Serena Paints, which is her um, Twitch channel, which she streams arts, um, 
streams like that's that's basically it sorry i don't i don't know what you expected more um but yeah i mean that's still pretty chill and fun you know if you just want to open it in your one tab and just you know do your other stuff on laundry and you know just so you can listen and you know it's just good just go 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 subscribe go follow whatever um all right next question let's move on to the next section um now this is this is the like one of the controversial questions of the podcast that people always like kind of feel stuck at but um so get ready who are your favorite artists and designers that's a hard one because i have exactly exactly (laughs) like a hundred um so back when i was in art school i was really interested in the golden age of illustration your arthur rackham's your uh edmund delac um beatrix potter um you know, people, people that were really good at crafting these beautiful, charming little scenes. Um, since then, I've dived more into um, ancient art, actually. <laughs> and, you know, going from um, anywhere from the Pre-Raphaelites, you know, Waterhouse, Burne Jones, um, all the way back to, you know, Byzantine reliquaries. So I really enjoy looking at. Um, I have a huge book of Botticelli, who has an almost illustrative style himself that he's been very influential on um, how I render things. Uh, A lot of Renaissance illustrators, (laughs) artists, um, have influenced how I render buildings. Um, And I look at a lot of medieval manuscripts, so I don't know the monks' names who... who did those but um yeah i have a ton of different you know book of hours that i i look through um just in my inspiration folder and i just love in ancient art you know anywhere going back to you know ancient egyptian stuff ancient mayan things um there's like this universal way that people tell stories through these images and i try to take that in and tap into it a little bit with my own work. I know that sounds kind of pretentious, but um, there are certain ways of stylizing things um, and trying to capture a narrative instead of capture a moment. And I really like taking that approach to my illustration work. I don't necessarily try to capture any one moment, but I try to inform what's going on with how big some figures are, how prominent a building is in the distance. It doesn't have to be realistic. It just has to be in service of a greater narrative. So, um, oh, and as far as contemporary illustrators, um, the illustrators Leo and Diane Dillon were very influential on me uh, growing up, and they were part of why I decided to go to art school. Uh, So they are probably my favorite contemporary illustrators. Yeah. All right. And um, I know that's kind of like a hard question for everyone, like, because even <laughs> even myself, like, if someone asks me that, I'm like, wow, which area first you want me to explain about? Because it's <laughs> yeah. not just artists, How long do you areas have? as well. <laughs> yeah. How much time do you have? And um, all right. Good to know. And um, of course, we all, the next question I'm going to ask, uh, we already briefly went over. And the answers to it, but I'm just gonna ask it again. Um, what is the main subject of your artworks, and what made them interesting to you? I mean, you 
kind of answered, but like we already discussed it in a, in a sense, but if you could, you know, go into more details this time. Um, I find my personal work is a little bit different than a lot of my professional work or even client work for just private commissions. Uh, in my personal work, I explore a lot of my identity. I explore relationships I've had with other women in my life. Um, I've done paintings dedicated to my grandmothers. I've done paintings um, dedicated to you know my mother. Uh, taking messages that are very close to me and then putting them into a fantasy or seeing them through the fantasy lens is how I make most of my personal work. And that's actually kind of where this Giants series or the Titans um, came from. It's kind of how I want to show the relationships between man and nature. Titans are kind of the symbol of the natural world and um, they live symbiotically with mankind. And so through my compositions, I can show different aspects of that and things that I don't like about the world that we live in now, but through the lens of fantasy. And so it's my way of putting my own personal opinion into my artwork and connecting with it without feeling preachy or um, overbearing with its message. It's just, it's, it's a part of me that I'm putting out through um, kind of a whimsical medium. So yeah, giants. <laughs> giants are fantasy characters. Yeah. Especially, I mean, it's kind of super obvious, but medieval kind of fiction and art. Um, because even, even the theme of your website is medieval. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, you wanted to say something? Oh, I just... Uh, it's a stylization that I, I've always um, enjoyed playing with. And like mm-hmm. I say, it, it kind of has kind, kind of a, a narrative feel that I relate to. So um, when I did my website, I liked to imagine it was like, you know, a medieval monk setting up a website in their little room. That's how I like to see myself. It's just, you know, quietly working away and making these weird images. No, they're not weird that way. I mean, they're they, they look cool in a sense. Like <laughs> some of them, like there's this dude. Like, uh, of course, I'm gonna the works I'm talking about the pe- to people who are listening. I'm gonna put them like in the next where you know how the format of the podcast is that yep. you're gonna see them. Yeah, like there's there was this work that there's this guy on a wheelchair like charging the battle with a sword on. Like, I mean, that looks cool. That's unique. I've never seen that. Thanks. Like. Jesus, like during those times, if you even had like a limp toe, you would be just out of work and in life. And if you get, <laughs> yeah. This mad lad just charges on with a wheelchair. Customized. <laughs> Not just any wheelchair, a customized wheelchair. Like the, the important yes. part. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love details like that, by the way. And um, what technologies and softwares do you mostly use for your works when it comes to, of course, to um, digital illustration? Um, what software do I use? Yeah, uh, I just use Photoshop. Um, 
I've tried other softwares like Clip Studio Paint and stuff like that, but I always go back to Photoshop. It's just what I know. And I don't really digitally paint too much. Um, most of my work is, you know, watercolor and acrylic wash base. And then the only thing I have to do in Photoshop is edit out the cat fur and dust and make the lighting right. Um, Cause sometimes it gets washed out in the scanning process. But when I do paint digitally, I just, I just use kind of the basic brushes or I'll make my own and still try to have some of that watercolor feel, but I don't know how successful that is. <laughs> my, my fully digital pieces do look different than my traditional pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are brushes for like watercolor and gouache. For, for There's basically f- brushes for anything, you know, on Photoshop. Mm-hmm. But the real thing is different, you know? Yeah. You, you, I don't care how much of a good software developer you are, but you, it, it will never be the real thing, you know? And that's something yeah. that uh, is still, I think, like, I love the fact that digital art and art in general is getting so much, like, popularity and, like, you know, spotlight, like, as the time goes by. Um, and which, you know, in a way, it breeds and creates more opportunity for artists. And I love that. Um, but the thing I don't like that there's been, like, traditional art mediums are getting a bit, I think that's just what I feel. It's just coughing. They're being neglected, and I don't like that. And the fact that it still is something unique and it can't be digitally replicated, it's um, something important to note that uh, we always need to have people learn from the masters of today so they can still have, we can have that valuable skill and we can pass it on to the next generation generation to create more amazing art. And um, basically, that's the legacy of humanity. I, I I purely believe like one of the reasons I'm really passionate about this podcast is because I think art is the ultimate legacy of the animals, homo sapiens we are, you know, during from the prehistoric caveman times when we were just throwing spears at mammoths to now. I think our our most important accomplishment is not even interplanetary like travel. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, not gonna lie, but art is something else to me like that. It's an extremely unique form of expression, you know? And it transcends history. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, all right, next question. Now we're going to get a bit more technical about some other sides of the art mm-hmm. life. Any advice and tips for a good portfolio and resume for artists? Um, In my experience, your actual resume isn't that important. What's most important is having a really good, consistent portfolio. Um, I remember graduating from art school and having a ton of different styles, and I all thought they looked consistent. But showing it to someone who's never seen my work before, they didn't know what to expect when they hired me. So you have to, your job isn't, illustrator is to convince someone that you're going to make something that looks like the other works on your site. You have to give them that confidence. So you really have to have a consistent visual language. Um, So, you know, you render people in a certain way, you render landscapes in a certain way, and you can deviate from that if you want, but you have a separate portfolio for each different style that you have 
and have several works consistent in each style. So I have a portfolio of my fantasy paintings, and then I also have a portfolio of my medieval-styled paintings. And then I have another portfolio of my children's book stuff, because if I mash them all together, my portfolio wouldn't make sense. But if an art director goes there and they're just looking for kids' stuff, then it's more cohesive than looking at my site as a whole. Um, So if you're struggling with your portfolio, I would recommend either trying to um, isolate your best pieces that are in a consistent style yourself. And sometimes that's painful because you'll have a really good piece that just doesn't quite fit, but you, you can't put it in the portfolio because it's actually going to drag the whole thing down. You can put that elsewhere on your social media, but keep your portfolio just about convincing people of your style. Um, and so it can be really hard to whittle down, whittle down um, the number of pieces in your portfolio. I remember having that broad, crazy portfolio fresh out of art school. And then a couple of years later, I went to um, Spectrum Fantastic Art Live and I got portfolio reviews, which I also recommend. Um, and the people reviewing my portfolio were like, well, I don't know what to do with this, 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 and this, but I like this, this, and this. So I left, I left the convention and I just took everything off my website and I only had like four pieces on there. And then from there I built a new portfolio and it was much clearer, uh, the direction I was going in. So even if it's painful, try to narrow down the number of pieces in your portfolio to just the best examples of your style and ask others for their opinion if you need to. That's pretty overall good, you know, guideline to, you know, move along with as an artist. But um, the thing that I heard the most that I think it's like another tip, like I just want to mention right now while we're we're on the subject, um, it's basically for your portfolio, like have your best work at top first, have your second best work at the bottom, then third best at top, fourth best at, you know, bottom again. Then it comes back and your verse is sandwiched in the middle. And I mean, like, it's about human psychology, like this tip, because even myself, when I look at like a portfolio, um, usually like most times on art station on DeviantArt, their their best works are usually like, if there's 10 works, the first three to four works are the top, you know, best, their best works, you know? Um, But I'm like, like now when I heard that tip and I just imagined, wow, if he just rearranged his works like that, it would have been more like you know. It's Speaking it's more like, consistent, right? Yeah, it's like here's the thing. Like there's a food in uh, my home country, Iran, where ash, which basically kind of stew, all right. And usually it's served with fried onions, which are really delicious. And they they don't they don't mix it with the food. They just leave some on top. It's like a portfolio that has all their good works at the top, and there's like you know just basic bland, you know, mix it up. Yeah, mix it up. Yeah. And yeah, fried onions are cool. <laughs> yeah, get those fried onions throughout, guys. <laughs> and um, all right, next question. Um, in your opinion, 
what are some good ways to grow on social media as an artist? Or, you know, you could also speak from your own experience. Um, I've learned a lot about social media the last few years. In fact, I wasn't on it at all before that Spectrum Fantastic Art Live I went to. And that was a huge mistake in my career. So um, as soon as I went online, I saw an immediate difference in my reach. And all of a sudden, my work was getting in front of the right eyes. So I would say network by basically just trying to make friends with other people in the art community. Um, that can mean commenting on their work, following them, posting your own stuff. I try to post every day. It doesn't always have to be my newest work. It can just be, you know, a process picture or something I've posted before, but people like, or maybe, you know, my my social media has grown a little bit since the last time I posted it. So all of a sudden there's all these new eyes on it. Um, we keep just posting what you have and let people know what your style is. And then over time, you know, you do see um, your following will snowball. So the more people that are uh, following you will share your work and get their followers to see your work. And um, yeah, it just kind of builds momentum over time. So it can be really discouraging at the beginning because, you know, you're stuck at 30 followers or something and you just can't seem to crack, um, you know, the, the glass ceiling above you. Um, but keep trying, keep reaching out to other people, maybe join different groups on Facebook or, um, you know, Instagram is always pushing these different formats. Like for a while they had IGTV and now they're really promoting reels. So I've been making a lot of reels. And that has really expanded my following a lot, like by like 5,000 followers in like a month. <laughs> it's crazy. So try to keep up with the new features implemented in a, in a site like that because they're promoting them like crazy. And stay part of the conversation. Don't isolate yourself it can be really hard on social media because you might feel like you're not good enough, but everyone that I've met in our community is very supportive and they're all dedicated to uplifting others. And the more they know you personally, the more they're going to be invested in your success. So try to familiarize yourself with people online and don't be shy. Fake it till you make it. If you're shy as a person, I'm shy as a person. But um, on social media, you have to be this outgoing person just because no one else is going to promote you unless you promote yourself. So just keep pushing your work and over time it will build. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, of course, as you said, um, Keeping up with the like the new features of any social media you're on is definitely like a huge factor in, in your growth of social media. Like as you said, reels on Instagram. Um, now speaking of reels, what do you think about TikTok? <laughs> I was just talking about this with my dad last night. He's like, "Have you heard about this TikTok thing?" <laughs> you know, I thought maybe I was um, getting too old for it. I'm <laughs> I'm a millennial, you know. Um, <laughs> I should actually get on TikTok. I I really do enjoy the the real format, and I'm videoing more and more of my process, 
And I think that's probably a good avenue to go down because basically the more people you can reach, even if they're not specifically like art lovers or, you know, art directors, the more people you're reaching, the more business you're going to get down the line. So um, it can be scary joining a new social media app, but you should probably stay with the times. I should probably get TikTok. <laughs> and I will. I will. Awesome. Good to know. Make and... all the memes. <laughs> all right. Cool. <laughs> and uh, actually, just one thing I've been wanting to ask for 15 minutes, but I keep forgetting. Like, I don't know. Today, I have a memory of a goldfish. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but you mentioned at some part about being in a convention. Mm-hmm. And so did you were, were a visitor or had a booth? Like, tell us about your experience. Um, so I was lucky enough to be chosen to illustrate the Mouse Guard Alphabet book, which was a children's book based on the comic Mouse Guard. And I was really lucky in that when it was published, um, Boom Studios flew me out to the Rose City Comic Con in Portland and I got to sit at their booth with um, author David Peterson, and we got to sign Mouse Guard Alphabet books together. Uh, that was the coolest experience of my life. <laughs> I will never top it. It was just, it was wild. And it was um, just getting to meet really nice Mouse Guard fans all day and show people my work and be a part of this amazing community that I always been on the outside of i've always you know attended conventions but being in the artist space was um exhilarating so i would love to do more conventions in the future for sure all right awesome good to know but it's um yeah i was like all right i should ask now or i'm gonna forget again you know about the convention (laughs) and um all right Next question. Um, what are you working on right now that you can tell us about? What kind of project is it? Um, well, I just finished that Lothlorien painting. And now I've, I can't tell you about some professional work, but I can tell you about my next commission, which is um, there was a fellow who was going around collecting artists that he'd like to see do magic cards one day. And um, so he just asked me to take one of the magic, the gathering planeswalkers and portray it in my style. So I've been working on that. That's what I did on my last um, Twitch stream was working out some of the little thumbnail images for him. And so it's this well-established fantasy character, but through the lens of my style. So it's, it's pretty fun actually. Awesome. And, um, all right, next question. What area beside the area you're working on right now are you willing to, or, or I'm sorry, not willing, are you interested to, interested to explore and learn in the future? Like, um, what I mean by that, um, imagine for some reason you're, right now you have a, like an insanely amount of free time, all right? And in that free time, what would you do? And also, it, it could be anything. It could be learning something new. It could be, I don't know, just anything. What would you do? We want to get to know more about the artists here a bit more. Um, I would 
I would like to first um, become a better writer. And like I said, I've been crafting this world of, you know, titans and people. Um, and I have yet to create the story I really want to make with it. Um, so if I could gain more confidence in my writing, that would really benefit me. Uh, that's something that I really am a little bit too busy right now to work on. And that's kind of why that project is stalled out and I'm just doing art kind of in a world building sense. But if I could get the narrative done, I think creating a comic around it or doing an illustrated novel would be um, really exciting. And I'd also like to pursue more um, kind of concept artwork. I really enjoy playing video games and I think the concept art community is really vibrant and fresh and it's just always something that's interested me but I don't know if my portfolio really fits but um, I would be interested in pursuing more of that I worked on a small puzzle game uh, for a studio here in Montreal and um, that was a lot of fun so I got to do the concept art and production work for that and I would love to do more Speaking of video games, what are your favorite video games? <laughs> yeah, um, those, I know one of those bad questions, I know, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, so this one is... Um, probably, okay, Dark Souls 3 was one that I played through in the fall. That was really cool. I really yeah. liked Dark Souls. Um, <laughs> I had, I'd watched other people play through it first, so I had collected all the intel, but right. um, I really enjoyed the challenge. And then I played Bloodborne, which was also amazing. So for some reason, I find those games, <laughs> they suit me better than Mario. <laughs> I don't know. I rage more at Mario than I do Dark Souls. Um, but yeah, so like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, I really enjoyed The Witcher, which is very my brand, I think. <laughs> um, Skyrim. GTA 5 was a lot of fun just for like just drive around at night and chill out or you know go on a rampage whatever but um, yeah I just I really like kind of open world games but there's something about the challenge of Dark Souls and Bloodborne that appealed to me yeah and, and you understand what you're saying it's kind of a comp like progressing in the game is more fulfilling because it's an actual challenge I think that's mm -hmm. what you basically mean and I'm still a bit shocked. Like, if I ever like saw you randomly in public, I would have. And for example, they told me, "All right, she's a gamer." I would have never guessed like Dark Souls or Bloodborne <laughs> franchise as one of your like favorites. Like, I would feel like I don't know what what is it game's name on Nintendo? What was it? Wow, it's it was like Animal Crossing or something. Yes, uh, yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, yeah, she's Animal Crossing Minecraft type. Like, she seems chill. She seems nice. not that's hardcore as shit. I'm not just gonna say it. Well, see, the thing is, I was just trying to play Mario recently, and it's a kids' game, and I'm yeah. dying in it, and I'm raging because I'm like, <laughs> I should be dying in a Mario game, but in Dark Souls. You're like, well, if I die, fair play, because it's really hard. So for some reason, I'm just much more zen playing something that's intentionally difficult. It was a surprise to me as well, honestly. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, I, I yeah, there's so much. I mean, about uh, I personally tried Dark Souls three once. Um, and well, let's just say after like a good 30, 40 minutes, I was like, all right, I need to delete this. Like, <laughs> like first, like you know, in video games, usually they're um, like you said, you play Dark Souls three, right? In the beginning area, when there's like an alleyway in those cliffs, there's like a crystal monster thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, my I was so naive. I just walked it. I was like, oh, it's just early game bosses. <laughs> I'm gonna get some, you know, those kind of challenges that you know rewards a player in early game. I was like, oh, cool. I'm just gonna kill this thing, and I'm gonna get some probably cool armor or weapon or axe or something. Oh boy, oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> 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 oh my god yeah, yeah he chased me and killed me like in two hits yeah but but i was so pissed that you took how to defeat this early game like i was like this is impossible i there's no loot early game how do you even kill this thing but there's this guy who made a video that you basically lure this thing on the edge of the cliff and when oh, it charges yeah. you just dodge and just hits himself off the floor of the cliff and you get the loot. I mean, that doesn't make sense. The guy just fall down. How do you get the loot? I don't know. It's just game logic, but whatever. Let's move on from that. Um, <laughs> I know. I could talk about Dark Souls all day. <laughs> that could be a fun idea later for another. Um, thank you for saying that because I actually wanted to mention something for a while now. Um, right now, the, the only thing the only kind of content I've been doing for career brand has been this, of course, the podcast, which I'll not planning to stop anytime soon. Another type of content I want to do is that, um, like I want to do not a podcast in a sense, like, um, yeah, it could technically be a podcast, but another format, which I want to bring some of the earlier guests who already like said yes to this idea, or even you, if you want, I mean, you're welcome. Uh, and we could like, you know, discuss about different subjects together, like brainstorm about stuff, you know, give ideas, bounce off ideas of each other. Like we could discuss, for example, the art of Dark Souls, you know, that could be a good, cool episode. Or for example, in terms of level design as artists, like for example, you're an illustrator, but of course, I mean, the input of, for example, a different field, people from different fields are always going to be interesting to hear, you know? So, yeah. for example, when it comes to level design, game design, we could, you know, talk about those stuff. And that's an idea that, you know, it might happen. Yeah, it might happen. I was going to say soon, but I realized, no, that's not going to happen soon. So I just stopped. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. With everything that's been said and done to conclude all we discussed, give us a roadmap for someone who is zero in visual arts and wants to get to the place you are in terms of skill set. Like, basically, give us a roadmap for someone who is zero and wants to become an illustrator like you, step by step. Anything that could come to your mind. Um, so, learn the basics. It's really frustrating to have to, you know, draw still lifes and um, figure out anatomy and all that stuff but it is it's very important and the more time you put into the fundamentals the less time you have to think about them later so you know i learned perspective tricks in art school and now i know that i know the rules and i can break them if i want but it's hard to um just jump into a work of art without those skill sets um kind of to pull on so yeah, do studies, um, take, if you're like a real beginner, just take like a basic art class if you can. There's some online that are really good. I know there are like YouTube videos dedicated to teaching people how to render. 
um, how to, you know, work in different mediums. Uh, if you, I work in watercolor, but that's just because that's the medium that works for me. Find a medium that works for you. Um, but, but, but do that by experimenting because you never know whether, you know, you relate more to oils than to watercolor if you don't try. So always push yourself out of your comfort zone and try something new all the time. I'm still doing that with every piece. And that's how you grow as an artist. And that's how you keep your work fresh. Um, so once you have those fundamentals and you can start problem solving um, with all the, like if if my painting's struggling, I have that skill set that I can pull from to um, fix those problems. So once you have that skill set, make the art that you want to make. Um, figure out where you want to go with your career. See if you have a specific goal in mind. And then make art that is kind of in service of getting there, but also your voice. It's your unique voice is very important because that's what's going to make people say, you know, oh, I need something whimsical and medieval. Hey, Serena can do that. Um, you want to have something that is yours and you want to do it better than anyone else. So don't copy other people, do your own stuff and just do it the best that you can. And um, I'm getting dry here. And over time, you're going to see that your work gets better and better. Um, it reaches more and more eyes as long as you're posting it. Feel free to post all of those ugly stages on social media because that's how people get to know you. That's how people know your work. So um, don't just post, you know, don't wait until I make the perfect work of art to post it. Post all of your work. It doesn't have to be in your portfolio, but on your Instagram or on your Twitter, it gets people to know who you are. So that will help create an audience for you. You might start getting commissions. Um, you can start pursuing professional work when you have a portfolio of a few works that um, really say what you do. And then you can send that to art directors at companies that you'd like to work with, or you can get an agent. Um, I have an agent now, Shannon Associates, and they've really helped a lot getting my work out there. And um, just be your own cheerleader, basically. You have to convince other people that your art is worth looking at. So if you're not confident about it, fake it so you make it. I maintain that. And over time, you will see that more and more people come to you for work. Um, it's a career ladder. It can be slow, but keep plugging away at it and you will get there. All right. I think that's about it. Thank you so much for coming on for this episode. And where can people contact you if they had a question or just wanted to, you know, say they love your works, you know? Um, so I'm on social media, all sorts of different platforms. So um, you can message me on Instagram. I'm at S Malian. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Serena Malian. You can also go to my portfolio website, serenamalian.com. I've got all my contact info. Um, you can find me on Twitch. You can ask me things on stream. I'm at Serena Paints on Twitch. 
And that's probably going to be the best avenue to answer technical questions that I can demonstrate the answers to on stream. So if you have a question regarding watercolor or whatever, I can just show you then and there. So um, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. And I'm always there for building a community and lifting other people up. So if you guys want me to share some of your work, I'm happy to do that as well. Um, by the way, do you have a broadcast schedule we could share now? Um, yeah, so right now I'm tentatively uh, streaming on Thursdays, Thursday evenings for me. So I guess that would be um, around 10 p.m. EST. Um, that that might change over time depending on how busy I am, but that's the schedule. And since I've started this this week, I've been trying to work out all the technical issues. So I've been streaming almost every day. So um, I'm just going to stream whenever convenient and then also on Thursdays. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for coming by. And don't forget about the giveaway, guys. There's going to be only three days left to enter that giveaway. And that's about it. See you guys in the next episode. Bye.